Welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Fold, and I'm here to get you caught up quickly. I've got some top news stories for you today from Israel, and guess what? You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Thursday, July 20th, 2023, in the Gregorian calendar, and the 2nd of Av, 5783, in the Hebrew calendar. We have a Torah thought at the end of today's show, Thursday Torah. Let me know if you like that. I'm interested to hear your feedback. Now, let's get to the news. The Knesset is moving forward in its effort to pass the reasonable bill or the cancellation of the reasonableness bill with a final vote session expected to come up next week as early as Sunday. That's when the second and third reading of the bill is set to take place with it expected to pass on Monday or Tuesday. The Knesset wants the bill to be passed before they break for summer recess at the end of July. The opposition caused chaos at the reading that took place late Wednesday night as they grabbed the committee microphones and denounced Chairman Simcha Rothman, who is leading this effort, and they also denounced the rest of his committee. One woman stormed up to Rothman and shouted in his face. Opposition members of the Knesset submitted more than 27,000 proposed amendments in an effort to filibuster the voting process on this bill. By passing it, Israel is risking its relationship with other countries and its own citizens as hundreds of thousands of people are in the streets protesting it on a weekly basis and sometimes on a daily basis. The thought is that this will offset Israel's checks and balances when it comes to checking the government and the decisions that the government makes. Currently, judges in the Supreme Court can push back on government decisions based on whether it is acting reasonably or not as a body. Without this clause, the government will face no consequences for rulings that don't seem reasonable. Many also feel that it will make things easier to take advantage of minorities without having a court to protect the groups that are often missed by sweeping government decisions that can sometimes, like I said, miss smaller populations. Former Attorney General Avichai Mandelblit is calling this move, quote, a crush of the judiciary and cause for tyranny, end quote. Supporters of the bill say that the court has too much power in general. This is pretty big news. Israel is set to allow Palestinian Americans living in the West Bank or Gaza Strip to enter Israel legally using its main airport. This is all a part of preparations needed to get Israel into the U.S. visa waiver program, which would give Israelis free access to enter the U.S. without needing to apply for a visa in advance. The U.S. previously rejected Israel's request to join the waiver program over concerns that some American citizens might be profiled on their way in by security in the airport, which would be a controversy for the Americans. Most everyone gets a number of security questions and many foreigners go through special security checks coming through Israel's airport, but Palestinian Americans have a tricky issue. Palestinians cannot enter Israel without a permit, but Americans with an American passport can enter without any prior arrangements. 
One of the tenets of the program is that every American be treated the same by the country that is taking them in. And it took a while to get Israeli officials to agree that they could promise to treat Palestinian Americans the same. And security officials have expressed concern over needing to conduct security in any other way other than it does now, which includes a lot of profiling. Now, Israel is changing this to improve its chances of joining the visa waiver program and allowing its citizens to enter the United States without needing to apply for a special visa. There are about 40 countries around the world that are currently a part of this. The U.S. is going to monitor the new policy for six weeks before deciding whether to grant Israel the visa-free access. The number of Palestinian Americans affected by this change is relatively low, with some estimates saying out of 122,500 and that's a low number, and a high of 220,000 Palestinian Americans or American Palestinians, whichever way you slice it, whether they are Americans with parents that are Palestinians or Palestinians that gained American citizenship and are back and forth, there are about 45,000 to 60,000 people who are actually residents of the West Bank and that this would actually be affecting them. So I think that the issue is less about Palestinian Americans that are coming from the U.S. into Israel and more about Palestinians that hold American citizenship that live in the West Bank over the Green Line, not technically Israel, that are going to then be able to enter and exit without any issues uh, preventing them. Morocco's king has invited Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu to visit Morocco, appreciating Israel's recognition of Moroccan sovereignty in the Western Sahara, which has just been announced within the last day or so. If this visit happens, it will be Netanyahu's first trip to an Arab country under the Abraham Accords. No date is set yet. They have been working on improving relations since normalizing ties and signing on to the 2020 agreement. At this time, the U.S. recognized Morocco's control of Western Sahara, which was part of the diplomatic effort to get Morocco to officially sign to normalize relations with Israel. It's all about a good deal in the Middle East, and the good deal for Morocco in 2020 was getting the U.S. to agree that it should have sovereignty over the Western Sahara and the exchange from the U.S. that wanted to see this burgeoning relationship get normalized between Morocco and Israel was to offer this recognition. From what I see here in the Middle East, everything has a price. Foreign Minister Elie Cohen took a trip to Paris on Wednesday to ask French Foreign Minister Catherine Colonna to help prevent a military conflict with Hezbollah along Israel's northern border in Lebanon. Cohen says, quote, The provocation of the terrorist organization Hezbollah on the Lebanese border could degenerate into a military confrontation. Now, because France controlled Lebanon until the fall of the Ottoman Empire in 1946, they still do maintain a mutual relationship with the Lebanese officials. Tension between Israel and Hezbollah has, has increased after the IDF wounded a number of Hezbollah militants who were encroaching and actually operating on Israeli territory over the fence that was erected years ago to separate the territories. Cohen also discussed the growing threat of nuclear Iran with his counterpart in France. France was one of the signatories for the Iran deal, also known as the JCPOA, which was meant to supervise and limit 
limit the pace of Iran's nuclear program. The idea was to slow it down. Now, when the Americans pulled out of the deal under the Trump administration, the agreement became significantly weaker, yet France is still a part of that. I want to thank all of you for your interest in Israeli affairs. Israeli politics are world politics. I also want to thank all of you who personally finance and fund the Israel Daily News podcast with monthly contributions. Head over to anchor.fm slash Israel Daily News so you can send a monthly contribution as well. You can also support us by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Two, you can share the show with a friend. And three, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at IsraelDaily.News as well as Shanna Fold. My name has two N's in it and I'm very sensitive about that. You can also find us on Twitter at Israel Podcast. The Jerusalem Magistrates Court is ruling that guards at the Western Wall cannot search for Torah scrolls or books in visitors' belongings, but they can enforce rules against unauthorized scripture use for safety reasons, as it says. As a result of this ruling, the women of the wall can now bring Torah scrolls into the women's section for their monthly prayers. But officials may intervene once the scrolls are taken out of their bags. The lawsuit was filed by activists who advocate for the rights of non-Orthodox Jews. They filed in 2021 expressing the challenges women face in reading the Torah out loud by the Western Wall which is the last remaining wall, not of the Holy Temple. A lot of people think that it was the last remaining wall of the Holy Temple, but it was the last remaining wall outside of the Holy Temple, of the old city. The Holy Temple, the second Holy Temple, was destroyed by Romans some 2,000 years ago. While security guards can only search for objects that are jeopardizing public safety, the Western Wall Heritage Foundation can still enforce its regulations against certain uses of scripture that don't align with Orthodox Jewish practices. This ruling is seen as significant victory for groups advocating for more liberal Jewish worship at this holy site. Now, if you're not understanding, I'm going to explain this to you in a very simple way. The traditional Jewish rules do not allow women to read the Torah out loud for official prayer services. You're allowed to be at home by yourself reading the book out loud or with your friends, but you cannot be sort of giving an official prayer service. Over the generations, as women have become more free, more independent, more liberal, more a part of society, and of course, with America's reform Jewish movement, today, there are many women who choose to read the Torah. The women of the wall are women who read the Torah out loud together and for a long time have been banned from doing so by the authorities. One way to ban them was by taking away their scrolls when security officers would find those scrolls in their bags as they were passing through security. So this new update is that security officers are not allowed to do that anymore. They're only allowed to check for things that could be physically dangerous and not books. Now I'm gonna, I never usually share about me or about my opinion, but I'd love to just disclose a little bit, share my experience. I, as an American Jewish woman, had no idea 
that it was a forbidden practice until I was an adult of maybe 22 years old. I had no idea that women were not allowed to read from the Torah to stand at the pulpit. At the age of 12, I very proudly belted out the Torah reading from the pulpit in my conservative synagogue in New York for my bat mitzvah, for my family and friends. I had more than 100 people in attendance. I was the queen of the ball, as you could imagine. Having had no clue in the world that this was considered scandalous to the traditional and religious community. Did not know. Since this time, I have become more orthodox in my practice. I still believe that women should be allowed to read from the Torah at the Western Wall. It doesn't hurt anyone, and those who don't like it don't have to be a part of it. And I just want to keep this in mind, and I say this about a lot of different subjects across the board, not just religion, but a lot of things. There have been many changes and revisions to our people's ways that have been added into the rule book in an effort to keep us up with the times. And when I say us, I mean the Jewish people. One of them, by the way, is monogamy. Romans were only allowed to have one wife, and that had a big impact on the Jews. In the fourth century, only on the second attempt, did the Jewish people take to the times and stopped having multiple wives. Men stopped having multiple wives in the fourth century. Articles say that this was done forcibly. They did not want to do this, but eventually they had to. And we've been living like that ever since. Okay? So just, and I, and I also say this about books and social media. People say social media is garbage. Social media is terrible. It's rotting our minds. Now, that might be true. But I would also, I love to give some perspective. Let's have this perspective. The Bible used to be the only book that was read by the masses. Do you know what happened when people started to write fiction? All kinds of religious leaders and civil leaders forbade it. They told their people it was garbage. They didn't want people reading anything other than the Bible. Today, people encourage each other to read non-biblical books, to read science. It's all about the modern perspective and it's about maintaining your traditions but also being flexible and why are some rules brought into Judaism and accepted but some rules are not so would just love to give this as a little food for thought if you are a rabbi out there and you've got something to say or you are an independent citizen and you'd like to uh, share your two cents you can send a voice note or some words over to us at shannafold at gmail.com and now for a Torah thought by Oswegonian rabbi at SUNY Oswego, who is up in New York State near Lake Ontario, beautiful place. I encourage you to allow this thought to guide you through life's challenges. One day, a father gave his beloved son an expensive new suit. Sure enough, the boy was reckless, and the suit was filthy and ripped. The father gave his son a second chance and bought him another suit. Predictably, the suit was once again destroyed. The third time, however, the father held up a new suit and told his son that once his careless behavior changes, he'll be able to receive the new suit. And from time to time, he would hold up the suit and remind his son to change his ways. This analogy, given by the Hasidic master Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Bardichev, 
explains this coming Shabbat. This Shabbat is called Shabbat Chazon, Shabbat of Vision. While the simple explanation is because the Haftorah begins with the words Chazon Yishiyahu, a vision of Isaiah, Hasidic philosophy gives another interpretation. Both holy temples were destroyed because of our sins. Therefore, God is reticent to give us a third. Every year, at Shabbat Chazon, God shows us a vision of the third temple, which will be built when Mashiach comes. While we can't physically see this vision, our souls can. This affects us in a deeply spiritual way. It is a reminder to us that He is ready to bring the redemption as soon as we are ready to receive it. We also just started the month of Av. Our sages say, When you enter the month of Av, decrease in joy. The Munkacha Rebbe gave a new twist on this saying. When you enter the month of Av, decrease. How should you decrease? With joy. Everything is from above, and we have to take the good with the bad, because even what seems bad is ultimately for the good. When we can internalize that, we can be truly joyous indeed. Shabbat Shalom. I hope you all enjoyed that spiritual moment. All right, well, that is it for today's show. Today is Thursday, July 20th, 2023. Tel Aviv has a low of 23 degrees Celsius and a high of 32 degrees. That's 73 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 90 degrees for the high. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News Podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. We are everywhere. Don't forget to sign up to our Israel Weekly News Wrap. It's a newsletter with the top five stories coming out of Israel from throughout the week. You can sign up for that at our website at israeldaily.news. Big thank you goes out to my interns, Maya Goodman and Dylan Jaffe, for writing some daily news scripts today, as well as our intern, Molly Kabi, who is working on publicity. Also, special thanks to our social media director, Michelle Milner. I'm going to send you off today with a song called Ve'im Tavoi Alai, which is a mix between Idan Reichel, the famous singer, pianist, musician, you name it, and Tel Aviv DJ, Trip L, who sent us this song. Enjoy the weekend vibes and have a great and productive day and an excellent weekend. Shabbat Shalom, everyone.
עכשיו הגיע הרגע. הרי חיכית לי ואני תמיד חיכיתי לך, והנה היום הזה הגיע. עכשיו מבטיח שאף